the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly episode of Beyond the Pace. I'm Rupert Zorro, which is always fun. I'm Joe Merbeck, which is a fantastic comic fighting. Of course, we are shortly after the United City game, uh, leading up to AC Milan game as well. Um, brilliant result for United at the weekend, uh, 2-0. Uh, and quite a really good performance. You know, Callum, there's so much to take from that weekend's performance. In some ways, you watching it at 1-2-0. And you immediately think back to the point, the games they drop points in, which is just so frustrating. Um, you think back to that Sheffield United game, and you're going, how do you go and beat Man City away 2-0 with a performance like that and then lose at home to Sheffield United? It's just so frustrating. So, good performance, so much to be happy about. Luke Shaw, once again, showing that he's the best fullback in the league. Um, other very, very good individual performances, but um, I want to also point out the fact that the Solskjaer, when he lost at home in that semi-final against Sheffield, against Man City, um, the talk was always about how far he needed our behind City and how far Solskjaer is behind Pep Guardiola. And it's always taken on one game sample. And of course, there was always also discussion about Bruno Fernandes not showing up in the big games. Kevin De Bruyne, don't compare him again. It's a lazy comparison. And Kevin De Bruyne didn't play too well in the game against United this weekend. And... I won't take it on one game sample because I'm not going to be that stupid. But um, Solskjaer once again showing that he's certainly no idiot and uh, tactically perfect and brilliant performance from United. It was a brilliant performance and, and you're completely spot on with the, the assessment of Ollie. He's been called a PE teacher. He's been called some pretty disparaging names before. But I think that's four victories over Pep Guardiola and his time in charge and not many managers can say that, and I'm talking about some of the best, and, and Mourinho and others who, time after time in the Premier League since Pep's arrived, hasn't, haven't been able to, to provide uh, consistent victories against them. So I think that's something that he should be proud of. Um, but as you've said, obviously he won't get too carried away and too, too high with that achievement because, unfortunately, there's just been far too many draws from United this season. Nine draws, as many as Burnley, who are, who are down in 15th. And you're talking about mm-hmm. even more draws than teams like Palace and Southampton, who are hardly flying this year. So it's important that the club, as we've said for weeks, Phil, utilise the squad that we've got um, positively over this next few weeks and months because United should be finishing in the top four. When you look at the position they are in now, you don't take anything for granted. And Ollie won't do that. But that should be a, an absolute must and you should be able to focus on the cup competitions. We're playing Milan this week, as you've said, which is a game, in all honesty, that should be a Champions League game, and, and obviously both clubs will, will hopefully be back there next season. But I think they, they, we need to u- utilise the squad well, and we need to take this game and this momentum that's come out of it forward and make sure that it continues for the next couple of weeks, because you're talking about these two Milan games, you're talking about Leicester and West Ham, mm-hmm. Uh, sandwiched in between them. This is going to be a really tough couple of weeks from United. Yeah, definitely tough couple of weeks. It's been a tough couple of weeks, and um, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about the Crystal Palace game because uh, it was a disaster. It was just a, an, an awful game. And again, it just when you look at what we do against Man City, you look at Crystal Palace, you go, why is there such a contrast? That's the professionalism that United need to 
to make that final jump where they go out to play against Crystal Palace with exactly the same attitude they do against Man City. Now, I know United going 1-0 up early helped the, f- the fact that they could sit deep playing a counter-attack. But if you look back at that Man City game, how many clear-cut chances did Man City have? I'm used to watching Man City play against United where United are absolutely under cost. Shots are hitting the post, hitting the bar, getting cleared off the line, and it's just constant pressure. I, I, I didn't see that. I know Rodley hit the, hit the upright in the second half, but it wasn't the onslaught that you typically see. I, I mean, I thought United defended quite well. I thought, I thought they defended well in the game too, and I think Man City had a lot of possession, as they always do, and in, in, in any game, never mind against United, they seem to do that to, to every side in Europe and, and in domestic football, but they had the same number of shots on target as United, so for all that possession, I, I would argue that United defensively were, were relatively comfortable. You have to take pride in getting the clean sheet, and while we're on defensive options... How refreshing was it to see Dean Henderson in the goal mm-hmm. play a big part in that second goal? Because distribution is something that is, is is absolutely crucial in any top goalkeeper. You hear people talking about goalkeepers needing to be able to play with their feet, but they also have to be able to think quickly and utilise their, their um, distribution with their hands as well. And that second goal, Phil, was, was just absolutely brilliant. That's the sort of goal you want to see United scoring. Quick thinking, a defensive player with the freedom and the creativity to roam forward, and, and, and an absolute, be- an absolutely beautiful finish to match. Because I think that defence has been criticised a lot this season, and rightfully so at times. With praise Luke Shaw, who undoubtedly now I have to totally agree is is the best left back in the Premier League. I think he's the most improved player in the Premier League. Um, I think he he has been. An absolute joy to watch for United this season. It's great to see him doing so well, given his struggles in the past, of course it is. But I think Maguire and Lindelof deserve credit for the clean sheet against City. And the thing that's frustrating against Crystal Palace is a lot of people will look at United and, and they will be angry about that result, myself included. But defensively, they've been they've been better um, in, in recent weeks. You, you think of keeping clean sheets and how important that is. Um, so, so I think the defence deserves credit for these games and I have to be honest with you and I know we'll come to it I think United have handled this situation with Henderson absolutely perfectly and it's one thing that I think Solskjaer deserves immense credit for and it's his man management skills because how many times has he had difficult situations even with Lukaku yeah. before he left and he handled it in such a way that he kept a lid on it he didn't let it boil overboard and the player left and now he can say some kind words about them rather than than, than than throw nasty comments at each other that we've seen with managers in the past. Well, I don't think as many clubs would have the ability to bring in a, a, a goalkeeper of the quality of Dean Henderson with replacing someone like David De Gea. Dean Henderson came in was exceptional. Um, and again, we know everyone's different. That uh, communication from Dean Henderson, if you look at, say, Gabby Jesus, Gabriel Jesus was... Uh, for me, Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, and maybe Joao Cancelo were City's three weakest players. That doesn't surprise me because if you look at how well you know, it's back uh, centre back pairing, I thought you know Lindelof Maguire take a lot of stick, but I thought they played quite well. Henderson was very very good. Luke Shaw made a uh, really really embarrassed Cancelo. Um, I think when you look at how well United have developed the players that they have, but also bringing someone like Dean Henderson. To 
to come in and have. I think he also benefited from the fact that he had a couple of games leading into that and wasn't just thrown in. Um, I think again, I agree. Solskjaer deserves enormous credit. It's really, really hard to rotate goalkeepers. It brings about defensive instability. It's very, very difficult to do. I think Henderson will play again against uh, Milan at the weekend. Then it's going to become a really, really interesting choice for Solskjaer. What do you do next? Because is Dean Henderson droppable? And if you do drop him, what does that say to him? I think if he brings David De Gea back in straight away at the first opportunity available, then I think you would have to say that Dean Henderson's been told, been given a message that no matter how well you play, you are not going to stay in this team. And I think that would give you a big indication as to what they're going to do this summer. Of course, lots of rumours come in the press. We'll get to this a bit. They never want the goalkeeper, which is a bit staggering to me. Um, I can only think that would be the case is if they have a solid offer on someone like David De Gea at the end of the season. And if they do and they want a top goalkeeper, then it tells you everything you need to know about what you need to think of Dean Henderson. I don't think they... Maybe they just don't see him as a long-term option. It's definitely going to be interesting in that regard. I think for Henderson, as we'd said in our, our last show together, he needs to run a games to be able to state that claim and to show to the management team, to show to the goalkeeping uh, coaching staff as well that that he is the man and he can be the man. So he's going to get a run in the games. He's got a clean sheet in the Manchester derby. So he's working off the perfect base at the moment. So mm-hmm. if De Gea's not going to be back for a few weeks, he can't complain that he's not had the opportunities because he's probably going to get, you would think, realistically, the next four or five games towards the end of the month. So he has to make sure that he takes this opportunity. And, and as we've said before, all he can do is play when he's asked to, put in top performances and... If the club decide to move him on or decide that he's not the long-term number one, well, well, that's going to be out of his control. You know, he has to really use all the use all the sort of um, aspects he's got at his disposal to, to to prove that he is going to be number one, to prove he is of sufficient quality. And if he isn't, then he's going to unfortunately have to accept that and and move on. But I think he's he's off to a good start. I think he, his performances in the last two games have been good. The Palace game, it was very quiet for him mm-hmm. until very late in the game. And for me, that's always the difference between a top goalkeeper and a, and a decent goalkeeper. When you're not called upon and you have to make a reactive save late in a game, that tells you everything you need to know. And that's where many a top goalkeeper has struggled at, at United or other clubs. I mean, Ben Foster comes to mind. He's had a great Premier League career. He's played for England numerous times, but for whatever reason, he just couldn't cope with that. It seemed as if he just couldn't cope with that pressure at the time and he's went on to have a good career, but maybe not the career he, he thought he would. So for me, Henderson's in the driving seat. He's got the, 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 the potential and the opportunity, crucially, to make that jersey his own. If United don't think it's, it's ultimately good enough and they decide to move him on because they get a good offer or whatever it may be, then, then so be it. But I think he has to look at this as an opportunity and grab it with both hands, as I've said before, because if he does, he's just going to put them in a mm-hmm. position where they have to make a big decision. And crucially, I think United need to make a big decision with the goalkeepers this summer. I don't think you can continue to have both of them um, at the club next season because you're, you're just going to create a bit of tension and probably unneeded tension. I know people say, and maybe I'm a hypocrite, competition for places is key, but when you've got really two de facto number ones, it's hard to keep both of them happy, especially if one's just playing in the cup. So I think you need to have a top goalkeeper and someone like a Romero, who we've had in recent years, who is an able deputy and can push you when needed, but maybe the, the, the undisputed number one is there so that they can flourish and develop longer term. 
Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I think you can always get good money for a good goalkeeper. Um, there, there, there's not many of them about, so I think if you've got a really good goalkeeper, you can get good money. I think you, you, you know, you know, when you look at those goalkeepers, you're, I agree that it's untenable to have both of them there next season. I think either one of them. Henderson's not going to take being number two for another season. David De Gea's not going to take being number two. They're both number one goalkeepers. So when I look at that and I look at some of the other things, I look at uh, a, pub, a potential pub with Sale, which uh, seems probable. There's at least a couple of players in that United team that they could sell this summer that will generate revenue. Because, and we'll get on to this in a bit, the Edison Cavani news is quite concerning. Um, concerning from the standpoint that United don't have the money to go out and add another key player in that position. And if Cavani goes, they need to buy a top-class number nine. And that may shift the priorities. We'll get that in a bit. But um, it'd be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season with that. Um, I do think that if you look at both those goalkeepers, Dean Henderson might be the better bet for the long term. But how do you get rid of David De Gea on 300 grand a week? That's going to be very, very difficult. And, um, you know, I think maybe someone like a PSG, but it's still, it's mad, it, 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 it just doesn't make sense to me. And then, uh, where, you know, they gave him that type of contract, I just don't understand how David De Gea was able to negotiate a 300 grand a week type of contract. Where else was he getting that type of money? Why did United feel threatened to the point where if we don't give him this, he could get this somewhere else? I just don't believe there's another club out there willing to pay that David De Gea that much type of money. And if there was, then maybe it made sense to let him go. Given the fact that you had Henderson, it didn't cost you a lot of money. You know, he's been to the club since he was a kid. So it's not a massive outlay to replace him. And maybe it made sense to let David De Gea go. I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see what happens at the end of the season. Another point I want to bring up is how United start games. We've so critical of this in the past where they've been so slow to start games and the start is often cost them in games so how refreshing was it to see United start on the front foot quick the first 10 minutes this game were excellent and then City settled but it was so encouraging to see United start quick and force the penalty early on get a 1-0 lead in the first minute and a half first minute um, brilliant springboard for the game and should be an example of the other players once again Start games quickly. It has to be, and and you're right that the start is crucial in any match. And the most frustrating thing from United this season has been going behind to an early goal. You think of West Brom and how it ends up costing you at the end, or the sort of game at Palace where you you have a goal to draw and and you really have key chances that you should be taking, and you have opportunities where a goal would change everything. So it's important that. You do start well and you start with intensity. And to be fair, United did start with intensity at the weekend. Roy Keane's remark that, uh, in all honesty, United didn't need to work to go ahead because the penalty was gifted to them. I get his point, but at the same time, you still have to have a player like Martial in the position where someone could put in uh, a lazy lunge, as as was the case in the end. So Mm -hmm. I think you've got to be in those positions. So I would give credit to United and Martial for being in that position so early in the game. Fernandez again, he, he scores from the spot, and and he's the sort of guy that when you get a penalty, of course, you you want to step up. But those starts and the intensity of United's play early on in that game has to be the standard. Mm-hmm. The most frustrating thing for me and you, Phil, this season, time after time, has been 
a start like that in a game against City and then maybe come Thursday night it's a slow ponderous start and, right. and it frustrates you because you know that the players are capable you know that the system that's put in, put in place allows them to flourish when they're at their best so we just need to see that consistency going forward because if you can do that you will start turning those nine draws into wins and crucially if even three of them were wins or even four of them yeah. you, you would be a lot closer than you would be so it's important that United analyse that, take it seriously and move forward quickly because too many draws never gets you anywhere in a title race, never. Well, and also you look at Shaw's goal, that came within five minutes of a restart of the second half and I think once again shows how important those periods of the games are. The last five minutes of a first half, the first five minutes of a second half, the first five minutes of a first half, those are really, really important moments and then of course the last couple of minutes of a game where United again psychologically seem to have a problem you know, I look back at that Everton game and we talk about those important incremental moments second half start really really poor give two goals away Everton back in the game then concede a goal in the last second of the game those really really important psychological incremental moments that you have to be switched on that ask something completely different um, another th- situation that United are going to have to face this summer is going to be Eric Bailly. Eric Bailly's been fit not starting games. United fans really like him. Uh, he gives something very different to other players. But again, I know that there's games where United are playing against target men where they don't feel they need that pace at the back. And maybe they don't feel Bailly is the strongest. I don't know, maybe a bit rash. But I think Solskjaer's telling you a lot by the fact that he's not starting. And he is going to have to sit down at the end of the season and say, if you're targeting a centre-back... It's pointless me being here, right? And I can't get in the team as it is. So maybe Eric Bailly could be another one that United look to move on this summer. I think that's a, a fair and reasonable analysis of the situation. Clearly because he has been fit and not playing, it suggests that maybe because of his past fitness issues that Solskjaer feels that he can't trust him consistently, which is a shame because we've said so many times together, Phil, that he's got all the attributes you want for a centre-back when he is fit. He's quick. Um, he, he's not scared to put his head in where it hurts. And, and that recovery pace alongside Maguire or Lindelof, for that matter, is always going to be crucial. So it's a shame that it's it's come to this, but I suppose with his injury record and with the intensity that United will be playing at, not only for the rest of this season, but next season as well, due to a packed schedule caused by COVID and international tournaments being delayed, etc. I think they're probably looking at the bigger picture and saying to themselves, is by a centre-back we can we can put our faith in for the next 18 months and two years? Probably not, fitness-wise. So if he's not, can we move him on and bring in another option? And crucially, as we said a couple of weeks in the sh- ago on the show also, United do have to move players on in this window. They've been very open and honest about that. I said that I hope it's them downplaying expectations and, and doing lots of hard work behind the scene to sort of pull a nice surprise on everyone. But the reality is COVID has hit so many clubs hard. United are no different. And if you are going to try and raise money, then keeping by you fit, maybe giving them a few games toward the end of the season to put them in the short window is a wise idea, especially if he's not going to be in your plans, as I say, for the next 18 months to two years. Yeah, I agreed. And I think these are the questions that are asking themselves this summer, more than any other summer, where I think that are looking to cut the fat and say, OK, every single player no longer gets to just stay here because um, we're protecting resale value. There has to be a reason for you to stay here. 
and I think they are asking difficult questions about all of those players. Um, and so I think more than any other time United, you're not going to get to stay at this football club if you're not making a, 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 a legitimate contribution, which of course brings you to Phil Jones. And I know that it's almost a party at this point. Um, injured again. Doesn't look like he's going to play football this season. Now, if we've been both watching football a long time, and we've seen this over and over again with players that are beside with injury, and eventually they just retire. Because it becomes clear they don't have a body capable of the rigors of professional sport. And that, to me, is the territory Phil Jones finds himself. Now, don't join the chorus of people that are criticising him, slating him in the rain, because I feel actually I have empathy for him. Because uh, I know the guy's lost his football, his football career. I just think that at some point you never have to say, "I right, will give you a coaching contract. Because this this is sad. And I have a feeling that there could be something between now and the end of the season where, you, where that announcement is made. We need to make it to season and Phil Jones come to the conclusion that, look, I just don't have the body to play anymore. Because you, you never can't count on him. you know. So they have to sign players. So if you're bringing in players to replace him, even though he's already at the football club, how do you ever work him into any type of consistent first team you know, scenario, he can't play, you can't rely on him. You're never going to get more than 15 games a season out of Phil Jones. So I just feel at some point, a difficult decision has to be made by him, by his people, that, look, we've, we've done this over and over again and it just results in your body breaking down. I feel terrible for the guy. But this is not a terrible I- solution. This is not a terrible situation anymore, Callum. No, isn't and, and you're right. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the the hyperbole on, on online where you see the 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 sort of people that like to laugh and joke about players like a Phil Jones, etc., and how his careers went. I find it deeply sad as well. I mean, this was a guy who, when he arrived at the club, Sir Alex Ferguson said had the potential to be one of the greatest ever, and people mock that comment now and and, and with hindsight. But at the same time. I don't imagine Sir Alex Ferguson and, and the esteemed career that he's had in football at United, Aberdeen and others would would put his reputation in the line to make that comment flippantly. So it clearly shows he was highly rated by, by Sir Alex. I spoke to a few people um, who were at Blackburn at the time that Phil Jones was coming through. And again, they always talk about the power that he had. They always talk about the confidence that he had to, to get on the ball and, and bring the ball out, which... We did see at times at United, unfortunately, over the last the last few years, it has been a sad watch because he has continually broken down and there's only so much anyone's body can take, whether you're a professional athlete or whether you're not. It's, there's only so many times you can have an occurrence of the same types of injuries. And one of the things that I know about Phil Jones, and I think this sums up how committed he has been to his craft and trying to get back, is... His people have invested in a, a an artificial intelligence company that is linked to injuries called Zone Seven. So they've been involved in that process. And for me, yeah, it might be a wider business decision. As I say, it may well be. But at the same time, that suggests to me that he's tried everything in his power and out with United to see if he can find a solution or find a way to get fit. And of course, within the club, he'll, him, the physios and the sports scientists have been trying everything in their power to get him fit again as well. But see, to be honest with you, Phil, see for all the criticism Phil Jones gets, he still had a pretty good career. 
He came through at yes. Blackburn. He was he was highly regarded there. He won Premier League titles, and people can laugh and try and mock his influence in those titles. But he was still part of those squads, and I think he's the sort of guy that it would be nice to keep in the club and for him to be given a fresh and rejuvenated chance within life from a footballing standpoint. I look at the likes of John Kennedy, Brendan Rodgers, mm-hmm. um, Carol Robinson's another one, albeit in English lower leagues, that had to retire relatively young from football, but then were able to find their spark all over again in coaching. And why couldn't Phil Jones be like that? I think he's someone who has clearly played at the highest level for club and country. So if he wants to be a coach and he's committed to it, he could give so much back to youngsters coming through. And I think he would be an asset to, the, to United, especially academy level. And from there, you just never know what could happen in years to come. No, I completely agree. And I think that's the, the inevitable solution to this. And in the end, it's a tragic story because we're talking about a young guy who had enormous potential, never really fulfilled that potential, became a bit of a calamitous figure. And um, I just feel for him... I'm far better for me to tell someone what to do, but I just feel for him in the situation that he finds himself in. It's hard to see how he ever gets to a point where his body reaches a level where he can stand up to the. You know, in, in, and being a professional athlete is extremely difficult. I mean, the shape that these guys are in are unbelievable. And so it's very, very, very difficult to reach that level of, of fitness. And uh, once your body starts breaking down, it rarely gets better. Uh, so we shall see what happens. Uh, just to finish up talking about the, the game of the weekend, important win, United within 11 points. It is, uh, City had what, 21 games on beat and 15 in the Premier League. Fantastic run, and for United to go again, do it away from home. Their away record is just absolutely unbelievable. But I know lots of people won't say this, but it's a result the Premier League almost needed. Because if City had won this game, and are miles and miles and miles over the, 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 the hill, and there's no one close to them. It's not a good look for the Premier League. And City do have a massive advantage over everybody else, given the money that they have. There's no question, right? Um, but I think it's a, it's a game even the Premier League needed United to win. Now, I agree with you in the sense of 10 games left, it's really, really important United finish strongly. They have to stay close to Man City because it's important for the following season. If there's a massive gap between United and City at the end of the season, then it's hard to convince those players starting next season that they're on City's coattails and they can close it. Right? But if they finish within seven, eight points of City and comfortably get second, that's something you can build on for the following season. So it is really, really important that United finish strongly. What's happened at Liverpool is truly unbelievable. And... Once losing becomes a habit, it's very, very difficult to reverse. And yet, when Solskjaer went on these, and I, and I totally accept the fact that Klopp has won European Cups and won League Cups and won League Championships, so he rightfully deserves to be given the, the benefit of the doubt. But it shows you one how hard the Premier League is, and it shows you too that it's very difficult to change momentum once that's that sin. Defeat, defeat, defeat. I don't see City doing something like that. Um, I, I could see them losing a game like this against United and then rebounding. Uh, they're just so good and they're so deep. But I think that it shows just how difficult this league is. Solskjaer, since really the start, since he sent Bruno Fernandes, United's form has been championship form. Really, really, really important. They finished strongly with the last 10 games to give them something to build on for next season. It's, it's, it's vital that they've got something to build on for next season and and, and you're spot on. It's important to stay within 
relative touching distance. City have clearly got a big advantage as it is, but you're right. Stay within relative touching distance. Make the additions that you need to make this summer. You might not get the the three positions or four positions we've talked about filled in their entirety the exact way you want them. But that's probably the case in most transfer windows. But there's definitely room for progression to be had. And I don't see why United couldn't go in and and make progress by signing us, crucially, a centre-half or a holding midfielder of substantial quality. In terms of uh, Liverpool and, and City, as you mentioned, I found it very telling that Jurgen Klopp now, of course Jurgen Klopp's got to try and somehow deflect from the season that he's having. But one of the things he said, which I found quite interesting, was I feel that my Liverpool team has been really good in recent years and we've competed really well. But we've only got one Premier League title because City have just got such an advantage over everyone that to compete with them long term is really hard and you might compete with them for two or three years but in the end compared to the other clubs they're always going to be there because of their depth and I found that telling because it seems to be sort of accepted now by so many fans of other clubs that City really are the driving force when it comes to finance and strength and depth and it's hard to argue against that we talked about their bench in recent weeks and I think the most telling one is the centre-half position I mean they've got Americ Laporte who was widely considered before Eddie's last injury to be one of the best centre-backs in the world on the bench every week. And, I mean, you think of United and, and some of the Liverpool with their injuries. I mean, he's the sort of player that you would absolutely love to have in your starting eleven, and they can just afford to have him on the bench amongst the other stars they've got there. So you're right to, to, to convince the players and showcase to them that you're serious about challenging and to showcase to them that, they are good players and they are a good side. You need to stay within touch and distance. You need to invest for next season. You need to invest early, as I've said before, because of the international tournament that's that's going to be upon us and the potential for delay for for next season because people still forget this situation with COVID. I mean, the, the Euros, for example, is over 12 countries, which I'd be honest with you, Phil, I thought was insane before COVID, never mind during a pandemic. So it'll be interesting to see how everything's handled this summer. Um, in a wider scale in football, but United have to make the most of the variables that they control, and that's by signing players early, by saying to the fans and saying to the players, look, we've got closer, that's progress, but we've got a, still got a good way to go, and we're going to get there together by investing in the players, investing in the squad, and really just giving the fans something to cheer about when they get back to Old Trafford, because when the fans get back, it'll be amazing to see them get behind the team again. Everyone's missing Old Trafford, myself, yourself, so many who listen to the show. We're all missing the opportunity to go to Old Trafford. We're missing the opportunity to to watch games with a live crowd in Old Trafford. So you can only imagine how good a force United could be next season in the league if they invest. They create a positive atmosphere with those fans who have been away for over a year because they'll be desperate to succeed and they'll be desperate to drive the team on. So I just hope I just hope it happens. Interesting to play, of course, AC Milan this week. Two European giants, seven-time European Cup winner AC Milan. Of course, when I was growing up, the Milan teams of Saki and um, Capello were just insane. They were so good. And I remember watching them feel, feeling like they were never going to lose. Um, but um, there was a Dallas score at the weekend. I'm pleased to see him get on the score sheet. I uh, played at left-back for them at the weekend uh, against Udinese. So, of course, we'll see the return of Diogo Dalla. Lots of people feeling like uh, Diogo Dalla should never have been loaned out. I have to say, when I did see him play for United, I never, he never stood out to me. He, he, 
I can't remember too many negative perceptions of him. I thought he did well each time he played. But he's not exactly started every game for Milan, right? I mean, if you take a look at his in, the, in Syria, he started six games uh, and four as a substitute, 588 minutes total. He's actually played more times in the Europa League than in Syria. He's played 643 minutes in the Europa League, seven starts, one, one as a sub. Um, so he's not exactly a fundamental part of Milan's team and uh, I don't think they are interested in keeping him certainly not with the way they're playing him but um, this is the best Milan team we've seen in a long time they're sitting second and um, this is a this is quite a difficult game also um, Ibra I believe Ibra is a doubt for this game um, so it'll be interesting to see if he actually makes it back it'll be nice to see him back if United Rafael Leal will most likely start up front for them but um, what's your take on uh, Milan? My take on them, is, as you've said, is the fact that they are much improved from where they were. For for so many years, they were just a, a shadow of their former self. I mean, you, you mentioned your experience in Milan when you were growing up. Even for me, they won uh, in 2007 the, the, the European Cup. They played against Celtic in the last 16, which I remember very fondly, up until it gets the extra time and, and Kaká takes over. So they were a team that that always had immense quality. You think about Carlo Ancelotti achieved there, and and it was. I'll be honest with you, from a, a footballing standpoint, it was sad to see them decline so far. But they're on their way back, and as much as it's great to see them on their way back, I hope United um, showcase that they are a better side. And I think overall, United are a better side on paper. I think United should be not confident in the sense that you're going into the game with any form of complacency, but. You should be able to back yourself on paper with our 11 against theirs and say, we can perform better than their group of players on a given day and we'll win this game. I mean, you've mentioned Dallow. He's doing really well. Good luck to him. He wasn't getting a game at United towards the, the end of his spell. Ibrahimovic's revival has been fantastic considering the injury he had, the time he had in the States. But even if he plays, he's, he's, he's a handful. He's someone who can create a moment of magic out of nothing. But... Again, he's nearly 40 years of age, so United should be able to back themselves with the current team that we've got, with the momentum that we've got coming off the back of the City game to to, to win this game. And and we've both mentioned it, Phil, it's important to utilise the squad effectively over this next few months. You go with your full-strength team to start this game. If for whatever reason stranger things have happened in football that, that you're a couple of goals up or you're maybe comfortable for whatever reason in the last 20 minutes, then maybe you can you can make a few rotations and make a few options uh, off the bench. But I think United need to start strong, start with that intensity that we've both praised against City, take it from there and see where it takes United. Because although we need to use utilise the squad, I think we need to go with our strongest 11 and then you can make rotations based on how the game is going. That's what I would like to see anyway. I agree. It'll be uh, interesting, and I hope uh, United get the result because that uh, Europa League very, very important. Being a big, big trophy for Solskjaer to win, and um, hey, it'll be this will be a very difficult game. Like we said, Pioli's doing very, very well at Milan. Um, I'm going to talk about some transfers, Callum, because staying on the topic of Milan, because um, big news about United are looking for a goalkeeper. Sky Sports supporting this again. I would be su- surprised if this is the case, but one potential option there is Donnarumma. Because um, he's available on free transfer this summer, he's had a contract at Milan. That's something they could see United do. Very young, um, he's only 22, and um, 
good good young goalkeeper. He's had problems with the Milan fans, and and I'm thrilled with him. Uh, but um, that's probably something I could see happening. Uh, is it? Do you think if you need to run for a goalkeeper, Donnarumma is a, a good option? I think he's a good option when you discuss the financial situation. I mean, you're getting a, a top class goalkeeper with what United will love to be able to say in the background as well, potential resale value. Yeah. Um, the most dreaded word in football as a fan, but as a, as a club it makes sense. You'd be getting a good goalkeeper at a vastly reduced rate. Obviously an agent's fee and wages may be very high as a result, but given the stature that he's got in the game so far, with his club and his country, I think he would be a, it would be a solid option for whoever gets him um, in the summer because he's a goalkeeper... Yeah, as I say, the stature he's got at the age he's at is is phenomenal, and it would be it would be a sensible option, particularly if United move one of the two keepers on for forty or fifty million pounds, which is a reasonable price, I think, to expect for either of them should one of them leave. So, I think it would be an astute signing. But if you do, I suppose if you bring him in, he's going to be the undisputed number one because you would have to invest a lot, as I say, in agents fees and wages. But as I say, if you're looking for the number one, then I don't see why he wouldn't be the sensible option, especially when you consider the other goalkeepers that would be mentioned, your likes of Jan Oblak. I mean, great goalkeeper, but you'd be paying an awful lot of money to get him out of Madrid. And then then with that money comes pressure. You've seen that with Kepa. And he's a Balaga. I know Alisson at Liverpool handled it much better, but when you come in for a world record fee, I think his release clause is something like £106 million or £106 million. Uh, Euros. That's an awful big fee to come into any club, never mind United, and, and try and perform in such an isolated position. There's not a chance you're going to pin 106 million for a goalkeeper. <laughs> There's not a chance. That is not happening. Um, Absolutely. Andres Pereira is going to return to Manchester United. Uh, he's already said that. Um, yeah, I have a problem here. Right, you're talking about a guy started two games all season for Lazio, 14 is sub, one goal, one assist. He's not good enough first level. Everybody knows it. He knows it. United know it. United are going to be stuck with him. They've still got two years left on his contract. They'll look to loan him out again until the end of his contract expires and then they can move him on. Um, disappointing for him. He's just not good enough. Not up to United's level. And to think that the first half of last season, he was the guy that was our Bruno Fernandes. And we're shocked about what happened in the first half of last season. Uh, I'm just proud he can't get in that Lazio team. Uh, United are going to have to try to find a loan option for him. Is it over for him at the top level? In my opinion, yes. Um, if you're talking about United level, if you're talking about even top four in Italy level, I think he's a player who potentially needs a move like, <clears throat> pardon me, a, a Jesse Lingard to a club like a West Ham, um, maybe a club like... I was going to say Leeds, but obviously the rivalry will curtail with that. But you, you, know, what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. I, I saw mm -hmm. a team that's trying to push on for those top eight in the Premier League or top ten. He maybe needs to go to a club where he feels like one of the main men, given the, the squad of players that they've got. Because undoubtedly, at United, he's not going to be one of the main men. At Lazio, as those, as those stats show, he's not one of the main men. So I think he needs, to, he needs to think carefully about his next move. And I think he needs to go somewhere, as I say, where he can be one of the main players and where he can play a substantial amount of games because we talked about Phil Jones earlier. Phil Jones's career has been ravaged by injuries and we've both said yeah. on record how we feel sorry for him. Andres Pereira's been relatively fit and healthy, so he needs to be playing games week in, week out. He he will be approaching what are going to be said to be his peak years and he needs to be playing football. 
I even remember his last loan spell. I think it was Valencia when, when Mourinho was in charge. He was he was in and out of the team at times and gradually got going towards the end. Hence why United gave him another chance when he come he came back. But he badly needs to go to a club, as I say, where he can be a mainstay. But, but to answer your question, is it at United's level or the top four in a major European league? Absolutely not. Completely agree with that, mate. I think he belongs at a league below that. Um, some other uh, news, of course. Edison Cavani. So this really is a nightmare for United. Um, the last thing they need is to lose Cavani and have a gaping hole at the number nine position where it's going to require huge investment. Whenever the message prior to this was they're going to have to prioritise one position because it's just not realistic to go out and sign key players. The thing is, Cavani is such an important striker for United. They have to get someone that's top level that gets goals. If they don't, you cannot ask Solskjaer to win a league title. They just it's just not there. Right? So I know people can point to City and say, well City don't have a proper number nine in Aguero and um and and of course Gabby Jesus and and and, and that is true. Right? Uh but they get lots of goals from wide areas which United don't at the minute. So United still have a gaping problem with the Jaden Sancho right wing problem. Um, you know Greenwood, Martial not scoring goals. That's a big concern. Rashford's got ten assists, not scoring enough goals though. And I feel that United badly need a goal scorer. When Cavani plays, they look so much better. They look so much more dangerous. They look so much, the, the goal potential is so much greater. He scored important goals for them. I think this is a nightmare situation for them. It's a nightmare, and we've talked about how good he has been when he's been fitting on the pitch and he, and he undoubtedly has been his movement as we always talk about is, is still world class of course the physical attributes he can make the most of what he's got and five years ago he would have been elite peak Cavani but the movement he's got sensational and he's been very very good when he's whenever he's been on the pitch so it is a nightmare because we've spoken Phil about a number nine being needed for Manchester United medium term for United, they'd be put in the position where they're probably going to need to address that situation urgently this summer. It's the last thing United need because people are, we've talked about centre-back, we've talked about holding midfielder, you've got fans online saying, oh, Sancho's price might be to just go for him. If United need an out-and-out number nine, it's going to affect their business across the pitch. And The last thing I want to hear and you want to hear in United fans is do you prioritise a number nine or do you prioritise a centre-half? Because United need both. And I think prioritising one over the other, if you can only afford to do that, I, I just don't think gets you closer to the City team. So I hope something can be sorted out with Cavani. I know, um, judging by his father's statement, that he was irked by the situation with the English FA. And I can understand that. He's probably he's played in, in European football for a long time. I, I, again, I, somebody may be able to correct me on this, but I don't think he's, he's probably not experienced that sort of situation before um, in his time in Europe. So he probably feels a little hard done by, a little bit persecuted. And, and I can understand that if that's the case. So I think United need to approach it sensitively. And this is where Solskjaer and his man management will hopefully come into its own yet again, because he's a player that's contributed. He's a player who's clearly popular around the, the team and the squad. And, if United can keep him, they have to keep him. Another season of him is the sensible option. I just hope it can be achieved. I have to disagree, mate. I don't. 
understand that if he's going to leave Manchester United over a, dis- a disagreement, if you want, with the English FA, to me that's ridiculous. You're at one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Not everything goes your way. Sometimes these stupid things happen. right? You've served the suspension. It's over. You're being picked when you're fit. This is why you're going to leave United. To me, that tells me that he doesn't really want to be there. Because personally, Callum, if I'm playing for the club in my dreams and I really want to be, I'm not going to leave over something like that. So if that's his reason, and that irked him to the point that happened months ago where he wants to leave, then to me, he never really wanted to stay. You know, I mean, you, you see players that really want to stay at football clubs. They don't leave for these reasons. So maybe he's using that as an excuse. I don't know if that's the reason why. To me, it's ridiculous. Um... But anyway, we'll see if he will, if he wants to stay, he will stay just like Paul Pogba. If he wants to stay, he will stay. But for United, it's not a good look that the likes of Cavani and Pogba want to leave this football club because again, you now need to go out and send a message to the likes of Bruno Fernandes that this is a football club that keeps its best players. You don't need to go anywhere. You'll fulfil all your ambitions here because if the likes of Cavani and Pogba leave, and what's brought in the summer is underwhelming, then I think we're one year away from a Bruno Fernandes situation where he turns around and says, almost like an Arsenal, where, look, if this football club's not going to meet my ambition, then we have a problem. I hope that's not the case, but I just look at what United, everything that they've incurred since this pandemic, and I just get the feeling that this summer, We'll be quiet. We'll be underwhelming. We'll be. We'll be. There'll be a couple of players brought in, but most likely young players, not high. Maybe you get one high end player, but um, I have my concerns. Well, based on what you've said there, and you you, you make a, a good counter argument to the point of Pedro Cavani, it is concerning in that regard the way you've articulated it. If that's if, if he's using this as an excuse, then. It worries you because other players, as you've rightly said, will see that. If Pogba was to go, Cavani was to go in the same window, it really is a nightmare and it does leave a gaping hole, as I say, in two key positions. Um, Donny van de Beek, as we've talked about many times, he's not ready to step up to replace Paul Pogba, unfortunately. I know people will be listening, you might get a few fans of his who will be screaming right now and saying, "Oh, we, we yes, he is, he is good enough, he just needs the chance. I, I, I personally think if he was good enough to make that impact, he'd have made it by now and Solskjaer would have given that chance because he's given chances to Greenwood, Shoratiri and, and others. So he's shown that he can give chances to young players so he would have no no, no bones about giving uh, a chance to a more established international. So if those two players were to leave this summer, it would be an absolute nightmare. It would put Solskjaer under huge pressure. And I don't mean huge pressure from, from, from fans as such because obviously it's probably with his control, but... I mean huge pressure for next season because I talked about the sort of glass ceiling effect a couple of weeks ago and, and I feel that this current squad that, you, that we've got, I think it has reached its its level. I think it, if you look at the current squad of players, if you were to restart this season um, with this group of players against Cities, I still think City are 8 to 12 points ahead of this United side and maybe even more if they were to 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 to, to um, keep all the players fit for the whole season, so it's it's the sort of challenge you don't want to see. It's a sort of situation that, as I say, is a nightmare, both both financially and logistically, really. Because as I say, the Euros this summer, these are the sort of summers I always hate 
in football if your club needs to invest and sign key players because sagas are annoying at the best of times, but during an international tournament they're even worse. I mean, think of the LVG situation he's taken yeah. over as manager. It was it was nauseating at the end because you just wanted it done. And as I say, I just think if those key players leave and you're if you're needing a central midfielder and a striker in addition to the other positions that we've talked about needing to upgrade then then I would say there's no way you're going to push City next year because you know as well as I do, Phil, City are going to sign at least one or two. They might not be big elite hitters as such, but they'll be big enough hitters to come in and make an impact. And if United don't do the same or better it, then they won't catch them. And that's deeply sad. King Lee Coleman is someone that uh, has also been linked with in the past. City also tried to sign him on the Pep Guardiola. Uh, he has turned down his new contract offer at uh, Bayern Munich. He is someone that you know they do like him playing the left, can play on the right. Uh, only 24. If you look at his um, his performance this season, has been quite good for for Bayern. Um, he's started 16 games this season, three goals, nine assists in the uh, Bundesliga, another three in the, in the Champions League, two assists out of five games. So he's playing playing really really well. Um, right age, right everything. If you need it, uh, possibly an alternative to Jadon Sancho. It would be interesting, and, and uh, you've mentioned the fact he's turned down a contract, so it could be, one, an alternative, and two, a more affordable option. And he is a, is a player with immense quality, I think. He's one of those players, when you look at his career, he's won a, an incredible amount of trophies for being relatively young in, in football in terms. So it would be interesting if the deal was to happen. Um, is he the sort of player that, being a fellow countryman, could come in and help bring a little bit more out of someone like an Anthony Martial? potentially but that's probably a bold statement from me but it would be an interesting deal and I think if you can't afford the Sancho in addition to a centre-back and other options then why not look to someone of his calibre who as I say given the contractual situation will probably be available at a more affordable price we shall see folks we'll go ahead and leave it there Callum as always thanks very much mate don't forget check out this guy's podcast at Football CFB you can also follow my, my co-host here at Callum CFB check them out well worth it folks thanks to each and every one of you for your downloads likes retweets thanks to all of you for all the lovely messages over the last couple of weeks regarding mental health um, as you know we're both massive advocates for it and uh, you have nothing but my support so wish you all the very best folks take it easy be good to yourself Callum take it easy mate take care mate all the best cheers folks bye